under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Good evening. Here we are, this big winter room. Staring each other down. I'm feeling good tonight. How about you? Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And it takes a silky voice man to appreciate a high falsetto-voiced man like Prince here. But the reason I'm doing this, and the reason I have called together a good bit of the crew, two Hall of Fame members, and uh, husband over here. <laughs> and now I'm just realizing the context in which I am playing this song on a good Friday, but life goes on. But let's let's let people in on this, Southernwood. Welcome back. Thank Again. you, by the way, for bringing your sturdy paddle into the studio. It feels good having it Fashioned here. Fashioned by one husband. Yep. It's almost like a relic of the show at this point. It is. Right. It's, it's part of the station at this point. Right. I mean, right. show. It just keeps getting bigger. Right. Well, you keep rubbing on it. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, imparting that meaning to it. But anyway... The reason I'm opening up the show this way and speaking in this manner is Southernwood, you have uh, told me now on two or three occasions some feedback you've received from certain lady members of the audience. Mm -hmm. Hey, ladies. Now, as delicately as possible, because we want to be gentle here, we want to be delicate, we don't want to be too forceful, too rude or too crude. What was this feedback you received? Let's see. Uh, as delicately as I can put it... Uh, Please be gentle. And this was a, a female listener. She listens very regularly. And she said, Where did Joey come up with that voice? This voice? Yeah. The one I'm using right now. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And and even my wife looked at her and says, "No, that's just kind of Joey's voice." Mm-hmm. And say, "Didn't they teach him a different voice in voice school?" And I'm like, "Well, Joey didn't go to voice school." No, I did not. This just came naturally. And I said, "That's just the way he talks." In her exact words, were he just sounds like someone that, and she thought for a moment, <laughs> and said, "He should be someone that should be like doing." Books on tape, reading penthouse form. See, <laughs> <laughs> so he would be a great porn reader. Like Fifty Shades of Grey, too. Sure. 
Like, what are they? Harlequin, or no, actually, Harlequin novels. Actually, I said you mean like Fifty Shades of Grey, and she was like, no. Oh, worse than that. Like penthouse porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm see. I am. Di- if I am lying, I'm dying. Strike me with a thunderbolt right now. <laughs> and I got, I got so tickled. Lauren about fell out of her chair. Cindy's like, but yeah, but really, he's got a porn voice. So, Wait, Joey, it wasn't apparently just, you have a porn voice. But it wasn't just one lady. This has happened. Twice. Twice. Okay. Or as we say in the country, twice. (laughs) (laughs) You got to put the T on the end. This happened twice. So, I mean, I don't always speak in this manner. I can occasionally take on other voices. I've done it before. And occasionally in my normal voice, I also get high-pitched. I get a little upset. Like on Wednesday night. But though, in general, I'm looking but in back general, on you're down here. Yeah, though I'm I'm looking back on Wednesday night. The fact that we I was on air arguing with you, and my argument when I got angry and pissed off was, yeah, but the Cathedral of Notre Dame is like the perfect representation of of the Western civilization. The tension between Athens and Jerusalem. You don't understand. It's like what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but because. There are certain lady members of the audience who find that I have this, well, porn voice. I thought I would give them what they want. By reading some select materials, not penthouse, I'm not going to get fired tonight. Hope not. Um, I was crawling up the ladder. <laughs> shut up. No, I was crawling <laughs> up. Light bulb. I, was cr- I was climbing up the lattice of the ivy on the side of her house back in high school. And really, I I should have worn shoes, but, you know, I was at the beach. I was ill-prepared. I'm not going to climb in flip-flops. Anyway, anyway, I was thinking, what do we read here? What do we read here? Anything, man. Anything? And wait, by the way, if somebody's going to say I have a deep voice... Mr. Spotlow, could you talk into the microphone real quick? Just say, how you doing, ladies? How you doing, ladies? Listen to that. I can't compete with that. <laughs> I would give thousands of dollars to have that voice. Listen, that is just pure sex. 101 essential tips on bonsai. <laughs> what, what do you got there in your hands? That's the name of that book? Gotta grow my tree somehow. <laughs> it only takes 101 tips. He actually is... Uh, <laughs> You actually are growing a bonsai tree, aren't you? Yes, I have two. Mm. Mm. Two full-grown trees. Wow. Two miniatures. Wait, did did you get these trees when they're just little saplings and they, nourish them yourself? They've been big their whole lives. Oh, wow. They've only gotten bigger. Wow, that's impressive. Thank you. You water them? Well, on a regular basis. Give them all the nutrients they need? Yes. See, I can't compete. I can't compete with that. I mean, though, I can't compete with, you know, living here in Montgomery. I've heard about twice a day in Millbrook. So. I hear about that all the time, and I'm wondering, where am I living at? Where am I living at? Why why is husband turning red over there? Yeah, and we can actually see his face now. Yeah. No, you look good. I know. By the way, folks, for folks who don't know, Mr. Spotlow and Mr. Trahan here have, uh, well, they've changed their looks. Yes. Why did you change your looks? 
We have to fit into 1961. Mm. Yeah. We're so, going to be extras oh, for the Spike Lee movie. Nice. Shoot cool. Them. They didn't have beards in 61? They didn't want ours. Yeah. They didn't want my ponytail in 1957 either, so I whacked that sucker off. And I have it in a bag in my van. But y'all look good in all seriousness. Like You need to give it to Locks to Love. It's not that long. It's not long enough? Yeah. I don't know. No, well, I would worry about <laughs> that if I had to take all my hair off and shave. Because I'm not a fan of my face when there's no, no hair no, on I it. I got that. Uh, hmm? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention <laughs> no. to you, Sutherland. <laughs> As usual. Right. I just wasn't listening <laughs> at all. Thing. There's only so much I can pay attention to at once. So we could read from the Bonsai Tree book. But I'm thinking we could just do uh, as supplied by Christy. Our promotions director. Events this week from April 22nd to April 28th. What, you want me to hit the music? Wait, which music? Yeah. Well, Friday night, there's a biscuits game. It's a theme night. Pink out. The Park Night. Yeah, I'm liking this. Pink it out. All right. The Montgomery Biscuits are facing the Birmingham Barons. Those Barons, baby. Mm. The game starts at 6.05 p.m. Biscuits players will take the field wearing specialty pink jerseys. Wait, is this like a... Is this like a breast cancer awareness thing? Now I feel really bad for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, you're wearing a pink shirt right now. It's salmon colored, sir. It's that is not colored. salmon, that's pink. It's salmon? Well, it's not salmon either, <laughs> it's salmon. <laughs> There's an L in it, it's sal. <laughs> Thank you, Sam <laughs> Spotlight. <laughs> no, but in, uh, in all seriousness, what There's a There's never a silent L. It's salmon. No, on this occasion, you're wrong. You have kids and you're wrong. <laughs> no. In all seriousness, what a week. Like, you think about, did the Cathedral Notre Dame burn down on Monday? So that's when, it feels like forever ago. I swear. And I don't know if I shared this in the way I exactly wanted to share it. I'm sitting here Monday doing my regular schedule. For folks who don't know, I would usually get here about 11-something and hop on the Dan Moore show as a producer. And that's right about when the news started covering the Cathedral of Notre Dame is on fire. And I'm sitting there watching it grow, like your bonsai trees. Uh, the fire, the flames, I mean, they have to be licking up 25, 30 feet in there, if not more. The spire's catching on fire. And at first, they're like, we don't know how much this is spreading, when exactly it started, how it started. We're now learning that they might think it's a, like an electrical short or something, which, you know, you are shaking your head. It doesn't seem that plausible to me. I mean, how did that happen? But I'm sitting there watching this monument uh, to Western civilization, but just to our ability, humankind's ability in general, is something I was getting at on Wednesday night, that you aim for the highest. You wrestle with, for lack of a better word, God, and try to reach the heavens. And what happens when you do that? And you commit yourself, number one, to a project that you know will not last your lifetime. In order to achieve that project, reaching to the heavens, and use your reason, you find advancements in art, in architecture, 
technology that you maybe hadn't used before, somebody hadn't thought of before. It's a perfect representation of what I think makes our civilization work so well. And as I'm sitting this monument, this thing that's meant to represent the best of man and the hopes of man and reaching and wrestling with the highest and the almighty, we have to continue our day. People are calling in, you know, talking about the Mueller report coming out, all the petty partisan bickering. And I, I mean, I contribute to that. I'm no saint in that way. But it felt wrong. It's like, can't we just stop for a day? Like, it felt like something really important was burning down, and yet the world kept spinning. And so it put me in a weird place that day. It's kind of put me in a weird place the whole week. So, I mean, we can sit here and read in deep voices and and porn voices all we want and have a little bit of fun. But that was a... Uh, the fact that that was Monday, it seems like forever ago. I mean, and it incredible thing and then of course the world does keep turning and we get the Robert Mueller report this week and I stayed up late I'm feeling a little tired right now because I stayed up late kind of delving into the ins and outs of this thing and here's my take and I'd love to hear y'all's opinion here in the studio and on the phone lines I mean to be not charitable at all to President Donald Trump I don't think he's in legal trouble at all. I think the only remedy for the Democrats, if they really don't like the guy and think he did wrong things, is impeachment. And good luck with that. Go ahead. Make my day. Never works out well. Because, number one, the Republicans control the Senate, so you're not going to get a conviction. And I think even the facts of the case don't merit necessarily a conviction. And if you look at what this report really is, it is an investigation into did Donald Trump try to obstruct the Mueller and Russia investigation. And you can look at it that way. There are some interesting takes, like when he came in, or when Jeff Sessions came into the Oval Office, said we've appointed Robert Mueller, and he said, oh, this is the end of my presidency, I'm effed. A lot of people are taking that as admission of guilt. I think it's just Trump realizing, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, what is what is Starr do? Right. I mean, that Ken Starr was Clinton. That was in the second it, it term, though. Completely disrupted his right. entire second term, though. Right. You're screwed. But here's the thing: as you watch the ten instances of potential obstruction of justice that Mueller lays out in his report, as you read them, what you find is Trump is the man I think most of us thought he always was. Trump is the guy who sleeps with porn stars. Okay. And Playboy Playmates, and has had multiple marriages, and isn't always, let's say, morally speaking, at least in that realm, on the up and up. Trump is the guy who, on the debate stage, the first one in the Republican primaries, said of politicians, I used to pay these people to do what I wanted, which is, I don't know how legal that is, that we all know it kind of goes on. He told the White House counsel to lie about things he had told him before. But I will ask everybody out there, people that like the President of the United States for whatever reason, and there are plenty of reasons to like him. I find him actually quite entertaining. And on policy, we could have worse. But people that hate the guy. Like, have you really discovered anything new about President Donald John Trump 
by reading this Mueller report. No, the refreshing thing is, is that he is exactly who he says he is. Think about it. He could have, as President of the United States, fired anybody he wanted. And he probably would be in hot water at that point if he had fired Robert Mueller. And apparently that's what he did in one point. He saw some media report or something, and he calls up the White House counsel, Don McGahn. And, but the, I don't have the quote right in front of me, but the actual wording is something like, Tell Jeff Sessions, this is a witch hunt. This is unfair. It's full of lies. He needs to get rid of Robert Mueller and change the scope of the investigation about future potential attacks from Russia. McGahn doesn't do it. And Trump just drops it. Before he fires James Comey, he's having apparently some lunch or dinner with Chris Christie, his rotundity. And he asked Chris Christie, he asked him twice, so that's really the purpose of the dinner. Do you, do you know, uh, do you know, do you know James Comey well still? And Christie's like, yeah, I know him. Like, could you call him? Could you call him and tell him that we're good buds, that we're good friends, and that I love that he's a part of the team? And Chris Christie's like, yeah, sure, I'll look into it. But what Christie tells the special counsel when he's being interviewed about this dinner is, I thought it was the stupidest idea ever. I'm not going to make that call. No, no, I'm not making that call. So Trump is exactly who we always thought he was. But I think that's actually part of his appeal. And there's something refreshing about a guy who that we're seeing is acting in private the same way he acts in public. Like, in private, he's going, this is a witch hunt. This is a lie. This is just a bunch of crap my political opponents in the deep state have made up about me. And he said that on national television, and he's saying that to members of his White House staff in fits of frustration. But he didn't actually fully act it out. Because in order to prove obstruction of justice, you must prove corrupt intent. And not just generally corrupt, because he did direct people to lie. His behavior probably isn't ideal. Like when you're sitting your kid down and go, this is how you want to act in life, you're probably not citing how the President of the United States acted What's interesting enough, in the first few months of his presidency, is a guy who's always been a business real estate tycoon who has ruled with an iron fist in his businesses to much success, who doesn't know the, all the intricacies and snares and pitfalls of Washington, D.C., and he is a bit mercurial and has, has mood swings and lets his emotions direct him. He's a man of action in that regard. And so most of these instances of potential obstruction of justice happen in that first window. So it's a fascinating story, but this report's more than just about Donald Trump. And whether I do it or somebody else does it, if you go back to each instance of what's in this report, whether it's about George Papadopoulos or Carter Page or Roger Stone or Paul Manafort, all these folks, what you can really do is Mueller has laid out a roadmap, not just of what Trump did, and what these people I just named did. But he's also laid out a roadmap of what the media did in this whole story that has been going for two years. And I would love somebody to go back, set up the timeline. Okay, Donald Trump reacted in this way that might have obstructed justice. What was in the media that day? And here's the thing. At the end of the day, I think the president has a great argument that there was no conspiracy or coordination or collusion with Russia. He was acting, and there's a brilliant article written by John Solomon for The Hill yesterday. 
said that an innocent man's defense, as clumsy as it was, and as lacking sometimes in moral credibility as it was, can often look like a guilty man's obstruction. But Trump's just going to say, I was pissed off. I didn't know what to do. This is unreal. And that's why I acted the way or said the things I did. Yes, Southern. And I, I think that is the point that we're kind of missing in this, the way that the dialogue is getting moved, uh, the ball's getting moved down the field, or the goalposts are getting moved, as they keep saying. Mm-hmm. In order to have obstruction of justice, you must first prove that there was an injustice done. Right. Therefore, if Trump did not collude with the Russians, that's what all this crap's about, and that had nothing to do with him winning the election, he can't obstruct justice, even if he fires everybody at DOJ. He could do that at a drop of a hat tomorrow. That's not obstructing justice Well, and the only no injustice was done. And the only remedy, if you don't like that he's firing people left and right without good cause, is impeachment. That's the only remedy. And the Democrats... Do not want to go there. At least the sensible ones don't want to go there. Because if you go there, they will get slaughtered in the next election. And they are still... Oh, yes. I mean, that, that they're over. I mean, what happened to the Republicans when they impeached Clinton? Massacred. Massacred in the midterms. The thing is, they cannot accept the fact that their belief system, that the majority of the people in the United States do not believe like them. And that, I mean, they just can't even fathom that you don't think exactly like I do. You don't think Hillary Clinton would be a better president than Donald Trump? Right. And I'm saying, no, I don't. And it's proven itself true that he's a pretty damn good president. So, I mean, if you look at the effect since he's become president, whether you like him or not, you don't have to vote for him. Well, and he's done stuff I don't necessarily appreciate. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, well, you're never going to... He's made plenty of mistakes, and I think he's given in to, say, the military authorities way too much. I sure. wish he would stay true to what he campaigned on. There's plenty of room for criticism. Uh, but, you know, I'm realizing that I, th- I feel like we're too serious again, because it has been a hell of a week, and I'm a little bit tired. Uh, you know, the... Cathedral Notre Dame has been burned down. I mean, amazing stories. I will say there's the story about the hero priest who created a human chain to save the famous relic, the crown of thorns. And I'd actually never seen that relic. So when the photo came out, like pretty the, cool, the preserved. Well, it's like gold, isn't it? That's I, what it looked like. I, it's and, probably been, and been given gilded. that this is Holy Week, and you know, this is probably the it is the most important few days in the Christian religion and faith. And the idea, though, that that crown of thorns. When I saw the crown of thorns, I went, eh, I don't know about that. Like, I'm good for preserving it. It's I think a thousand years old, if not. I mean should be more like 2,000 years old. But <laughs> if it's the actual crown of thorns, right? I, I looked yeah, at it and went. Well, that's interesting, but I don't know if that's actually uh, the ones put on Christ. Uh, but it, anyway, eh, probably not. Probably not. But interesting enough, anyway. 
And a great effort by that priest in that moment. But yeah, that happening, the Mueller report happening, us getting into arguments about the basis of human nature, though we both agree with the constrained view, as opposed to nut jobs like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like her utopian visions that look like soft despotism to me. People just couldn't see it because they couldn't envision it. Well, there's somebody named Alexis de Tocqueville that envisioned your type of tyranny, you know, hundreds of years ago, Alexandria. Good God. Anyway, I'm getting too serious again. I'm getting too serious again. So let's just remind folks of, uh, of an event upcoming. <clears throat> April 27th, next Saturday. It's the annual Bark in the Park. At home. Woof. Woof, woof, oh, big boy. But you need to know the location, not just the date. Where it's in the park. Cooter's Pond. Ooh, everything good. That bark in the park at Cooter's Pond. Gotta so, love that, folks. Bark in the park. So you're going to park in Cooter's Pond. Noise. You should stick to your day job. Yeah. Grandpa. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you should be writing any erotica novels uh, or anything like that. Um, uh, Did you just call me Grandpa? <laughs> yeah. You know what this is? It's like the opposite of this. <laughs> and that's what you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Sucks, Seth. <laughs> Did you miss me? <laughs> It's been a week and a half since I've been up here. Uh, I got some ground to kill. Wait, wait, to catch up on something. Well, we're going to take this break, and I'm going to try to have some fun after the break, because I feel bad now. You you two sitting here, Mr. Spotlow, and you, husband, you seem like well, you like the looks you were giving me as I was going into the Mueller report. I don't know how to interpret them necessarily. I've been working all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get home, I go to bed. I, I hadn't had time to <laughs> read any news or... It That's like probably that. better for your psyche. To be Basically, honest. Eric's saying, I have a life. <laughs> I don't have time to focus on this bull crap y'all are talking about. Well, let's hit this break, and you're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Hey, ladies. Joey Clark. Sing it, Shaka. Thank you all the one for me. Sing it. Here is where you ought to be. I just want to satisfy. Though you're not mine, I can't deny. Don't you hear me talking, baby? Love me now, I'll go crazy. So, you know, nostalgia is a big thing, but sometimes the past needs to stay in the past. And tonight we have an instance of something, in my opinion, that needs to stay in the past. Because there's a new trend happening right now. A disturbing trend. 
this mashup of condiments. You know what I'm talking about, right? Cranch. Cranch, yes. A mix of ketchup and ranch. What is... Mayup. Mayup. Oh, mayo must. What? Uh, There's more? Mayo must, yes. It's a mix of mayonnaise and mustard. Why don't you just take mayonnaise and then put mustard on top of it? Why have they not come up with hanch yet? Hanch? Hot sauce and ranch. Is there two better condiments in the world? Well, they're already spicy ranches. Yeah. There's like buffalo ranch out there. I've I've used it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, on wings, on, on shrimp. I've dipped some popcorn. You've, you've never had spicy ranch? No, I, ma- I make my own. That's been out a while. Well, I mean, you know, you take like some I cayenne. put the Hidden Valley on there, and then I put the uh, uh, crystal hot sauce on top of the Hidden Valley. Um, that's spicy ranch. Hmm. That's a different... That's, when the ranch bottle gets like empty where nothing will come out, and it's just yeah. like spraying, you Ew. pop the top off, and you pour some hot sauce in there and shake Ew. it up. There's yeah. one called Mayo Q. A mix of mayonnaise and barbecue sauce. And see, that just sounds nasty. Oh, but anyway, all these, though, as, as disturbing as they are, aren't as disturbing as what I'm about to bring up. A case of nostalgia run amok. And I'm not talking about Star Wars movies. I'm continuing the condiments theme. Heinz has decided to bring back purple ketchup. No. Purple ketchup. There's nothing wrong with that. Wrong. Nothing. But I remember when it came out the first time. When it came yeah. out the first time, by the way, it came in a bottle uh, with the Heinz logo, of course. It was called Funky Purple. But it was in a different type of bottle than your normal ketchup. The EZ, like the letters, not easy, but EZ Squirt bottle. The EZ Squirt. You don't Ew. use the Easy Squirt yeah, bottle. Easy Squeeze, man. No, man. I like to. I like to get the classic, like the glass bottle. Glass bottle. And, you gotta and, wait and tap twenty it. minutes. No, there's a trick. You just tap the the base of the neck. Tap the neck. Where the yeah, fifty-seven you just is. Tap it a little bit. Like you tap smack it a little the 57, bit. Fifty-seven. It'll come no. out a lot quicker. You just yeah. golf clap it. See, your your <laughs> your presupposition is completely false. You start with Hunt's ketchup. You don't buy right. Heinz ketchup. Right, that's just. I mean, the hell with Heinz ketchup. That's garbage. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not really a ketchup guy, to be honest. Oh, I'm not. I like barbecue sauce. It, I now, like things that ketchup goes into, but I rarely find myself reaching for the ketchup. Now, Joey, I like mustard. I like mayonnaise. I like hot. I love hot sauce. I love ranch and blue cheese. Joey, I'm not a huge ketchup guy. Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip. What is that stuff? Salad dressing slash. Uh, better than mayonnaise? Uh, no, I'm not a Miracle Whip guy. Try it. Um, maybe. Miracle Whip is good, but it has its own purpose. It is not mayonnaise. It cannot be swapped for mayonnaise. It is better. It, it has to be used in specific situations. Like what? Spam sandwiches. What else? With Miracle Whip. Ugh. Like a cheese. Pineapple, grilled pineapple. Fried Spam, Toasted Bread, Miracle Whip, best sandwich in the world. I feel like I just got trash here. Oh. <laughs> you just leave, you leave the pineapple off and you're all right. Pineapple's just a horrible fruit. 
<laughs> I mean, it's spiky. It doesn't want you to eat it. You shouldn't eat it. No, but that, that's the best kind. <laughs> that's we, the best kind of fruit. You've got to earn it. It's for protecting eating. yourself. Yeah. Don't eat me. I'll poke you. Now, uh, husband, I have a question for you. <clears throat> yes. Moving on with the weird food items. Though this isn't really a food item, but it's it harkens to food. Do you die if you eat it? No. Well, then prob- it's a food item. Well, you probably would die. I don't know. We'll look into that. But uh, what do you think the wife would say if you came home with a candle that smelled like McDonald's cheeseburgers when you burned the wick? <laughs> I, that's that's a toss up. Well, that's a real product now. Uh, it's I mean it it could go either way, yay or what's wrong with you? I mm-hmm. I, I couldn't know. Yeah, it's mysterious. Yeah, right? I, mean, I would not. I I personally would not purchase it. Yeah, I just it's just bizarre. It's a company in Australia now selling a McDonald's cheeseburger-scented candle. The candle has been appropriately named the Maka's Run. Ugh. Retails for 30, 30 well, $21, essentially. Like, what a waste of money. There's just so much crap out there. What's it smell like? Dehydrated onions? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? If it smelled like the McRib. <laughs> 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 oh, I love you, Mom. Good answer. Oh, that's, oh, that's funny. Oh, man. See, I don't mind a good scented candle to make the place smell or good. Or McRib. McRib's sweet. But, I mean, a cheeseburger, what is or that, like grease a, and onions? Right. Or even, you know, I love bacon. I love my pork products. But I don't want a bacon-scented candle. What a tease. No, all that's going to do is just make you starve to death. Make my kid go over there and try to eat the candle. Be like, Daddy, this is no good. <laughs> Joey, he would be back up to, like, 280. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had to smell candles. that all the time. <sighs> yeah, I, I, it's just, it, we're going too far a little bit with these uh, odd novelty products, in my opinion. It's, we're going a little too far with it. But, uh, which, hmm? which proves how affluent we are as a nation. When you're having to think of ideas like, let's make a candle, not just a candle that will emit light in case of a power outage. Not just a candle that has some form of a scent, but when you're getting all the way down to let's make it smell exactly like a McDonald's cheeseburger, we got way too much money to spend on crap. Right. When right. you can spend $30 or $21, whatever it was, for a freaking candle that smells like a McDonald's cheeseburger, how about this? Go to McDonald's 79 cents, get a cheeseburger, sit it on the counter, <laughs> right. put a fan in front of it. Yeah, but, you know, three weeks later, it's not going to smell the same. You just put onions out, you know. Mmm, ah. baby, what's that smell? I don't know. Let me, let me give you this. Did you leave onions out again? Well, no, not at all. If, if you eat fast food, do this. Do this. And you'll never eat fast food again. Go to McDonald's tomorrow. Go to Hardy's. Go anywhere. Get a small hamburger, no ketchup, no pickles, no nothing. Just the hamburger, buns, meat. Sit it in your car, go back in six months and see if there's any mold on it. No, I drive my car every day. I'm not doing that. I'm I'm telling you. 
It's, I'm that's, telling you. That's like when I was zero in. mold. Go home, make a fresh, Ugh. take flour and and milk and butter and eggs, make a loaf of bread. It'll be molded in two days. Right, right. Yeah. Get that fast food hamburger and sit it in the back of your car. Six months. No mold. So if you live off McDonald's burgers, you'll live forever? No. Poisoning <laughs> your liver. <laughs> Liver's I, gone. I had a, a boss years and years ago. Uh, great guy. Kind of weird food eater. Uh, like, he wouldn't eat chicken on the bone. What? Yeah. Like, so wings were completely no, out? No, if it was on the bone, he wouldn't eat it. But... Uh, when I got divorced, I moved in with him, and he helped me out for a little while. And he, I went to the grocery store and I bought some butter, margarine. And he was like, "Do you know what that is, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's butter." He's like, "No." And he took a spoonful of it, put it in a cup, and set it outside. And he said, "I want you to come back to that every day and check it out." And it didn't melt, and nothing touched it. And it's one of the, it's one of those weird. It's like oh, isn't four it? molecules away from plastic. Or right. Something like that. I was about to say. I don't know about. I don't know about that. Um, no. In a second, I want to play a game. But before we do that, uh, I need to tell folks why well, I want to tell folks about Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. You heard him earlier today on Greg's show. Great guy, great sense of humor, but he's very skilled in the real estate market. Changed his own life investing in real estate. And he can help change yours by helping you buy a home or sell that home. There's all sorts of reasons why you might want to buy or sell a home. But if you're, say, a first-time home buyer, you're a little hesitant. Maybe you haven't even thought about it. And you're like, I'm going to be renting forever or for the foreseeable future. Let Eddie sit down with you, talk to you, figure out what your situation is. And he will probably open your eyes to all the options out there here in the River Region for affordable places. And... Honestly, it's better to have a mortgage in many ways than having the rent constantly. Eddie is awesome. He's been helping you? Yes. Awesome. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. He, he's been helping me and Emily and doing everything under the sun yeah. to help us. And, and it's it's great. We had sushi with him like last week. Just had lunch, you know, talked about what we were doing and going through everything. He He's incredible. So you would recommend him to people? Definitely. Yeah, and I just love him. Like, his personality is fantastic and you combine that with his knowledge about the real estate market. It's just win-win all the way around. So if you're looking to buy a home or sell your place, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons you might want to sell a place. And he can help you do those early renovations and repairs before you even put it on the market. That way you can get top dollar and you can get it off the market quickly. Top of that, a really successful open house. He, he's done this all, which every which way, I would put it that way. Every which way he's been on each side of the real estate market. So give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. Again, that number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. 322-0662. Mm. 322-0662. No, anyway... I want to play a game. I'm going to start naming off products of all sorts and tell me what these products have in common. Solvents, diesel fuel, ink, floor wax, ballpoint pens, upholstery, sweaters, boats, bicycle tires, sports car bodies, nail polish, dresses, tires, golf bags, dishwasher parts, toolboxes, motorcycle helmets. Petroleum. Yeah, yeah, petrol, yeah, baby. Yeah, and that's only the start. That is only the start. I've been watching a lot of uh, the last season of the Grand Tour 
uh, the guys who used to do the original Top Gear. Uh, what is it? James May, Richard Hammond, and Jeremy Clarkson. Mm-hmm. And as they were driving into Azerbaijan on one of their Grand Tour road trips, they started naming off all these products. And I had realized before how important crude petroleum had been to our lives, but I didn't realize the depth of all the products we derived from what for the longest time was considered a nuisance to a lot of farmers in the mm-hmm. country. It is amazing. So when I hear folks talk about like wanting to change things in our society, fine, I'm open to ideas, but you need to understand how complex this situation is. You can have a great pie-in-the-sky idea. You can create castles in the sky, but you need some foundations here on Earth. And let's be honest, I don't think anybody anytime soon is going to give up their modern standards of living. Even if you're so-called in poverty, which I don't look down upon, in many ways I understand it, uh, you're not going to change your habits. We in the West are not going to change it. I doubt the people in China who are now rising want to change it. And I doubt the people just getting started, say, in parts of Africa want to give up the idea of, say, air conditioning or all these other products we keep going on, umbrellas, mops, slacks, insect repellent, fishing rods, water pipes, speakers, plastic wood, hand lotion. Yeah, you can't go without hand lotion, can you, Seth? I live in Millbrook, what can I say? <laughs> Twice a day. You, has your list got PVC piping on there? It's a big list, I don't know. Takes that's, me a while I mean, to examine my list. All of the water that's distributed now. What does the I mean, P stand for? Poly, poly, polyvinyl chloride. Probably is. Yes, but it, that is that's a. I mean that's you know the base or a large component of PVC piping. So and I mean that's everything. Everything. I, I want to play another game now. A game of prophecy. prophecy that was sent down well i don't know if it was sent down but it arrived here on this earth it was penned in 1840 i want to read this prophecy see if it hits home at all first imagine a nation of people that are somewhat isolated you might have a few friends a few family members but people are largely isolated they pursue their self-interest, but they're close to their fellow citizens without seeing them, touching one another without any real sense of feeling. And above this race of men stands an immense power, a tutelary power, which takes upon itself alone to secure their gratifications and to watch over their fate. Keep in mind with this language, it's 1840. That power is absolute, minute, regular, provident, and mild. It would be like the authority of a parent if, like that authority, its object was to prepare men for manhood, but it seeks, on the contrary, to keep them in perpetual childhood. It is well content that the people should rejoice, provided they think of nothing but rejoicing. For their happiness, such a government willingly labors, but it chooses to be the sole agent and the only arbiter of that happiness. It provides for their security, foresees and supplies their necessities, facilitates their pleasures, manages their principal concerns, directs their industry, regulates the descent of property, and subdivides their inheritances. What remains but to spare them all the care of thinking and all the trouble of living? Thus, it every day renders the exercise of the free agency of man less useful and less frequent. 
It circumscribes the will within a narrower range and gradually robs a man of all the uses of himself. The principle of equality has prepared men for these things. It has predisposed men to endure them and often to look on them as benefits. After having thus successfully taken each member of the community in its powerful grasp and fashioned him at will, the supreme power then extends its arm over the whole community. It covers the surface of society with a network of small, complicated rules, minute and uniform, through which most original minds and the most energetic characters cannot penetrate to rise above the crowd. The will of man is not shattered, but softened, bent, and guided. Men are seldom forced by it to act, but they are constantly restrained from acting. Such a power does not destroy, but it prevents existence. It does not tyrannize, but it compresses and extinguishes and stupefies a people. Till each nation is reduced to nothing better than a flock of timid and industrious animals, of which the government is the shepherd." Can you start over? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, that's for you. Uh, well, that was from 1840, from a name some people might know. If you paid attention in civics class, Alexis de Tocqueville. He was describing in much of his book, Democracy in America, how it worked. This French aristocrat who lied to his government. I'm going to go review the prison system. Actually, it was just an excuse to get to America and see what was going on. This great new experiment in this brand new country. And he asked himself, how would despotism, how would tyranny ever come to this place where equality is held on high and liberty is held on high? And that's what he came up with. It wouldn't look like tyrannies of old. It would be what he called soft despotism. Yeah. And here's my point of view. It's not that the majority of Americans are ignorant of their soft despotism and their loss of liberty. They're quite aware of it. They are simply too comfortable or too scared or too lovingly despotic in their quest to save their others or their lessers or their put-upon to care for liberty at all. Yeah. I, I think apathy is the worst problem in this country right now. And with prosperity comes apathy. I mean, right. there's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I just, I remembered that huge quote, which is long and is old language, but I thought of it immediately the last time I was on an incredible thing called an aeroplane, which I wonder how that an works. An aeroplane? Yeah. <laughs> an aeroplane. No, as I was coming in over D.C., and I saw the, not the neighborhoods, but the sprawling bureaucratic government footprint from above. And I thought of that quote, that what's happening now is uh, it's not like outright tyranny. It's not like the next Hitler or Stalin or Mao or whatever is coming our way. It's that we're slowly but surely sort of, I don't know, we're staying in perpetual childhood, for lack of a better word. Tocqueville's words, not mine. But it, uh, it worries me. And then I see things like the Green New Deal and the hubris of it and... For somebody to come up with something like that and create this utopian vision, to me it seems a bit like a dystopia. Like, you can dress it up all you want and be as positive as you want, and that's your right. But uh, I worry that we're going about our day-to-day way too much, and, well, it's comfortable. It's easy. I feel like there are some aspects of human life 
that are just destined to be re- a repeat. Mm. Yeah. Um, we, you know, ev- we go through everything uh, with, like, today's problems were 50 years problems, but we've just got different technology. Yeah. It's still a problem. We've not solved it. And in the same way with our, our government, our respect to each other, none of that's changed. No. No. I mean, in some ways, and we covered this on Wednesday at the beginning of the show, by almost every measure, life is getting better for everybody on the planet. doesn't mean it is always perfect or that it couldn't get better. Um, but why is it if everything seems to get better by every metric, less violence, more wealth for even the people at the bottom of the scale, new technologies people could never have envisioned? that there are all these people calling for changing it all. We're still miserable because we have not found the true meaning of life. And even if it's easy, if life is easy, you're still searching for real, true meaning. Well, And, on and we don't have it. One of all days, maybe people should understand that sometimes going through some hardship and a little bit of suffering can be the most meaningful thing in the world on today of all days. So, good Friday, gentlemen. Tried to have a little fun, but, you know, I'm in this serious mood. No pain, no gain, man. I'm sorry, but I apologize for nothing. (laughs) All the fire.